Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Before we dive into today's video, I want to bring to attention Hulk Grand Design and Red Room Trigger Warnings, our two big books that are coming out this fall. You can pre-order these right now at your local comic shop or online, wherever you buy books. Trigger Warnings will be in stores in September and look very nice on your shelf next to the Antisocial Network. This is the second season of Ed Piscor's Red Room. Hulk Grand Design will be in stores in time for Christmas, so order it now. It's gonna look beautiful underneath your Christmas tree. A lot of dentistry on those covers. <laughs> Cartoonist Kayfabe will also be on the road quite a bit in October. If you're in Columbus, please come to CXC and check us out October 6th through the 9th. We will also be wrapping up the month in Baltimore, October 28th and 30th, the uh, birthplace of Cartoonist Kayfabe. And in the middle, October 22nd, I will be at Jacksonville Public Library for a comic and zine fest. And now that we're done paying bills, let's dive into this black and white 1986 classic dead world originally published by arrow comics it would go on to be one of what i think of as a flagship title for caliber comics uh, both publishers out of michigan area my big story for dead world of course is artist vince Locke, who paints this cover and does our interior artwork and would go on to have a very nice career through vertigo and some other uh, places but a standout black and white artist. This is a 1986 book. This is part of that black and white explosion era of comics. This, and this is one of the good ones. This you know? is classic outlaw comics right Absolutely. here. Absolutely. For a while, they would do Dead World in two cover versions. Yeah. One was like the uh, more tame version, which is funny because you see the recommended for mature audiences and there's a, some info about that <laughs> inside. The other cover would be like the violent graphic offensive cover. Yeah, and they would even be like edgy about like, It would be like, the cover for sissies yes yeah, something. Something like, <laughs> like here's the cover for sissies and here's like the cool cover or something but pretty fun to start with you know missing an eyeball already and this is a zombie book for anybody that doesn't isn't familiar with dead world this is the walking dead before the walking dead right and it's been published through several volumes but this original one is the one that spoke to me i got a uh, trade paperback of this probably as soon as i started getting advanced comics or previews and going through and like picking stuff out to pre-order I found a Dead World trade paperback of like the first six or seven issues, which were all Vince Locke, and they blow my mind. Like we're going to see his art evolves quite a bit over time. He's oh, a yeah. great artist, but he's good from the beginning, and you're going to see this really cool art. Um, I do want to mention the editorial yeah. before we begin. This is by Stuart Kerr, who was um, the publisher of Arrow Comics and also the writer of Dead World, and he's talking here about censor censorship issues, which we would see Frank Miller carry. Uh, quite a bit of water for and this is in response to comics buyers guide letter columns but i think the idea of censorship in comics was really all over the place like there were retailers who were against these more mature comics steve jeppy oh good call i was thinking of a guy out of texas who we saw in words and pictures had actually told employees not to post uh you know the mature books out and stuff like that so there was a lot of noise being made about this subject matter in, in these comics that were not safe for kids so we have uh, Kerr kind of weighing in on this and standing back a little bit saying, you know, it's up to everybody to decide where their limits are. But clearly this is not a book aimed at kids. And uh, that's why he puts the mature warning on the cover. Um, I don't know when I got hold of this thing, 14, something like that. That was that was kind of like a look at me for, yeah. for 14 year old me seeing a comic book with that warning on the cover. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, when we talk about outlaw comics, there's a big part of that where we could just say that that synony synonymously means Detroit comics uh, because that gritty ass black and white line style there's a half dozen dudes 
that were part of Arrow Comics and and uh, Caliber Comics that exhibit that that same crunchiness. Vince Locke, Guy Davis, James O'Barr, and another dude that comes to mind that whose whose style I see here is Mark Bloodworth from from yeah. Night Streets. That was also an Arrow comic, and he would do this kind of tapered this. The set of hatching that would go with the form, I feel like it was probably the Day Brothers on that that Sherlock Holmes shit that like kind of brought that, or or uh, Bernie Wrightson with Frankenstein yeah. is probably is, is probably the guy. And imagine seeing like, you know, so those guys saw that and were like, "What if we had a monthly comic of that?" You know, and we a lot of the Arrow Comics guys were trying to like capture that. Uh, so this is an example of that, but I. He's he's not mentioned, but I see Mark Bloodworth on these pages. Yeah, and I think there's an ad for uh, for his his comic as well in here. And some of there's some back matter editorial stuff, and they talk about context. And it's that Vince Locke was part of that group, you know, of those, these artists that you mentioned that were kind of local, and they were trying to figure out a vehicle for him, and that's how Dead World comes about. And it's so good, like it's such a good fit. And you mentioned you know, what an outlaw comic is and, and Detroit being maybe the capital of the outlaw comics. But it's, I always think like it's all this ink, mm-hmm. you know, like they're doing all the values and textures and it's like you go in knowing we're doing a black and white book and you just do everything you possibly can in black and white to take advantage of it. And it spoke to me when I started to find this stuff because one, I had no idea how to color anything. I was just doing black and white drawing in my sketchbooks. But it also like, at some point you start to see this stuff and it's, I don't miss the color at all, you know? And then it's like, unlock this, because this is the kind of comics I need to make. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to think about this. This would be like, this would be like the bargain bin version of doing the grays and stuff, because like, there's no duotone, there's no zips. That stuff costs a lot of money. And if you don't have that money, or if you can't bank on, you know, expensing a portion of that from from your income, you got to do that shit practically. And that's that's what Vince Locke is doing right here. Uh, At this level... It does get muddy. Mm-hmm. It's unclear at the end of the issue. Like, are we dealing with five people? Right. Are we dealing with six people? It's unclear. Uh, we know this guy's the most uh, daffy right. of them all. Yeah, kind of the kid, the kid in the group. There, we get to see cartooning in here, though, which is something I don't associate with uh, current Vince Locke or like late period Vince Locke. So we're going to see some real cartoony stuff that I think might have a Guy Davis influence. Could be. I think they shared studio at some point. And I want to point this out because there's, there's a lot of story in this first issue. Like it's a pretty satisfying standalone issue. We often talk about that when we look at like an issue one. You see these figures coming, right? And the kid's like, you know, somebody's coming from town. They're already on the alert. Like we hit the ground running. Like yeah. this is a zombie infected world at this point. And it turns out this is their friends. They had gone yeah. to town. So that's cool. Let's see what they brought back. You have a couple of uh, running subplots of different characters, um, you know, young people, let's say, that are interested in each other. So despite the zombie apocalypse around them, they are still, uh, guys are still trying to make time with some of the girls that are part of this survival team. You, you got to repopulate the, the universe, man. <laughs> That's right, and, the greater and, and, good. And the, the, the truth is, like, I, I know people, like, who have, like, lost very important loved ones and, st- and stuff, like, at young ages and things. And they described a very guilty horniness mm. uh that comes with with death uh so i feel like that that's probably accurate you know like i thankfully like haven't had the, the worst experiences like that in, in my life yet or anything but uh, a lot of people i've had those conversations where there's like when there's like a lot of death when there's intense trauma there is 
a biological component to that that's like well we lost one so we need to put one back or something it's that's built into us yeah i could see that um some really nice like the parallel lines when you're talking about rights and i feel like you can really see it in the window reflection yeah trying a lot of stuff doesn't it look mongoish it does and look at how cool it is like there's the open bus window and then the, the, the under part that, yeah. that's really neat and they talk about some of these characters they do some really good world building and that there's a character named dan and he's kind of at odds with the group used to deal drugs you know so like you already know going through here just the little bits of dialogue that like this is an unlikely group that's together which is like, so like important pre-dead world these weren't necessarily friends like just the way shit broke they ended up you know stuck together on this school bus trying to survive which is which is perfect drama that's yeah that's exactly what you want in a, in a situation like this you don't want a bunch of buds yeah, definitely. And now we get our first glimpse of the, uh, they call them geeks yeah. a lot. Yeah. And uh, we get our first glimpse and already it's frightening because like they're talking. Yes. These are not quite the mindless zombies that uh, George Romero brought us. Yeah, closer to the William Stout uh, Revenge of the Living Dead or Return of the Living Dead uh, era where you have punk punk zombies and Hell's Angel zombies. And so, you know, like you have more hip looking guys and it's evocative. Like I want to know... What caused this? Like, 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 what are these guys, man? Yeah, I think at, at some point they do call them uh, zombies, but when they're calling them geeks, that was my thought too. It was like, is this not a zombie apocalypse? Are we dealing with some other type of situation? So it is interesting because it raises some of those questions. And check out, like, I mean, this is a 16-panel grid, yes. something we would have seen in Dark Knight, which yes. makes sense, 1986, but then even breaking it down further. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the characters, you know, like I said, they don't get along. So it provides a lot of fodder and Vince Locke on the lettering, which is I, uh, pretty fun. I'm a fan of his lettering. I'm, gl I'm glad you brought that up. I, I like his lettering a lot. Uh, you watch it evolve on Baker Street, I feel like. Yeah. And uh, it's not like I was making fun of the fact that, that like you don't know how many guys mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're dealing with at the end. Uh, you definitely don't. But whenever you have a page, every page feels solid. The problem is there's maybe so many characters that, that you lose track and with this kind of art style, you know, Neil Gaiman calls it uh, funny hats. Like, like every character has to have a funny hat. And there's not enough of that distinction right. amongst a lot of these characters, you know. And, and you, can't quite, you can't quite see it so easy. Like, everything is kind of clear, but there's also a muddiness. Yeah, I think it clears up a little bit as he goes on, too. Uh -huh. like, like, I should have brought that trade just to show kind of his evolution. Sure. Um, but... You know, I mean, this is, I think, maybe his first comic, you know, so people just evolve fast whenever in, in that early stage. And, you know, speaking of like the different hats, so we have a couple of these girls that are, I don't know, 18, 20, early 20, something like that. One brunette, one dark hair. But then sometimes we have these close ups where you're not going to get that context of yeah. what color is your hair? I only see your eyeball here crying. The this is pretty slick for lettering. Check this out. So we have this guy, you know, a lot of dialogue going on. As we get into this next row, it's still, the dialogue balloon is still going back to this dude. Yeah. But it kind of reads clear. Like, I did not almost read this whenever I was reading across this panel. Right. Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of the funny hat stuff, like, the only guy you could easily, clearly pick out is, is the boy with the, with the ski goggles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. But again, I do think that gets a little more clear as we go. And they're talking plans, you know, so you have this group that they went to town to get supplies. It's not ideal, but they got some canned foods and some things like that. They should be able to survive for another week or so. They got a map and they're trying to plan like where to go. They're looking for a radio to see if there's any signal somewhere of 
where this this situation isn't happening but as far as they know it's the whole world so we got to travel and best we stay out of like population centers so now we got to take kind of side roads or or you know highways and stuff that that keep us out of the big cities along the way it seems really well thought out man and uh, the 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 one thing though like is like that i always think about with these like kind of apocalyptic things is there's got to be like car like you can't drive 20 feet without bumping right. a car or something you know like where did all the people go all the all the all the cars <clears throat> dematerialize also that's very true otherwise i think it rings true you know the i think place- that's the part that appealed to me whenever i first read this as a kid is like Oh, yeah, I could be one of these characters because this kind of makes sense. I feel like the popping off point, like the, probably the best the best sort of version of that end of the world stuff really is the stand uh, that int- that sort of makes you realize like, oh, yeah, like there ain't just like cows being killed and put into chop and save now. So like you got to figure all that stuff out. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, for sure. And they do lay those seeds. The other thing we say in these uh, issue ones is like, you want to lay those conflict seeds. Yeah. You know, we're going to see some people vying for leadership as this as this goes on. And that stuff, that descent's already here. And we have our, our kid that's wearing those goggles say, what's the matter with everybody? You know, everybody's been fighting lately. The response, we're out of toilet paper. That always makes a person grumpy. That's fun. That's, that's, a, that's kind a of fun dialogue, thing. right? And, and, and listen, when we were all going through that COVID stuff, I saw fucking 7 a.m. at the grocery store. I saw Karen's coming out with fucking four giant bags of toilet yeah. paper that's that's the worst part is whenever this kind of stuff rings true to something in today's world yeah it's these, too close to home these bits mm-hmm. like uh you don't see vince Locke doing that uh these days or much after this and it makes me think of like guy davis touching these pages or something this is fun too he's trying to make time with this girl and she's like can't do this punches him in the stomach Put, put, putting him off. Um, there's a good scene too where one of these, I think it's one of the girls are talking about like they were in class and they were going to cut class and go do this and that. Like all the plans that don't take place, no prom uh, because of this outbreak and ends up like breaking down and crying. And it's like, that's good. That's a good character moment. You know, yeah. like she's reflecting on the world that was. I give these guys a lot of credit because I don't know how many comics were like this, it and they're doing solid. it on their own. It feels solid. Yeah, like it, it, like it doesn't feel like anything is missing. And this is great. As they're like kind of just lingering around, do you guys smell that? These dead bodies have a scent. So if a group of them comes comes up, you're gonna know about it. It's one of those great writing pieces too, man. Where where like you're not you're not telling us, hey, there's a zombie over there. It's it's through scent, like the the part that like. You have to give us that part because, you know, we obviously don't have scratch and stiff comics. Great buildup, you know, must be a pack of them coming this way. Fo- followed us from the city or something. It all, it's all logical. All right, so a couple people are missing. He's yelling for them because something is definitely getting, uh, getting tense here. And you can almost see Vince Locke getting better already oh, yeah. with some of these page layouts. Great let- lettering stuff to just, like, communicate that urgency. Yeah, and as he's starting to create, like, negative using negative space to allow some of this stuff to breathe really improves his compositions it does it's, it's good art it's good art and it just gets better and better for uh, quite a while i feel like guy davis drew this and he inked it because it's a specific guy davis it's young guy it's the realms guy davis not you know late period baker street guy davis or sandman mystery theater guy davis like there was an era of guy davis where he was kind of manga-ish that's fun 
yeah, I'd like to talk to these guys and hear some stories about back in the day and how they worked together and, and how much they were maybe passing pages around. How yeah. about that for some fun sound effect lettering? Yeah. I feel it, like that looks really good on the page, j- too. Just because you said that, uh, they, they, you will find comics called, that are by the creative team of uh, Barbed Wire Halo Studios. And that was a consortium of James O'Barr, Vince Locke, and Guy Davis. It's a lot of talent. Yeah. And sure enough, it is zombies that they were smelling, and here they come up the road, and it's an just a parade of them. Yeah, you could tell, like, these dudes are evolved from Bernie Wrights and Frankenstein. Like, that blew their minds. I was going to say, like, once you start to see, like, decomposing zombies, Locke's style suddenly is like, oh, man, it's it's built for this. Yeah. It's almost like this is all just him trying to, to do the other stuff to get to the point where he gets to un- unload his uh, inks yeah. on zombies. When you talk about the vehicle, like, it, it's a perfect vehicle. And, and he's built a career doing album covers for, like, metal bands and shit. Because this imagery, I mean, that's that's the point. Yeah, and you can see heads, you know, headshots on your zombies showing up. Um, the series gets pretty violent, for sure. <laughs> and uh, it's the stuff that I loved. Like, I was so, like, when I found a book like this, it was so exciting. You know, it's, it's such a far cry from your Comics Code-approved Marvel antiseptic kind of comic. If the comic is called Dead World and it's not violent, we got problems. And now... He, you think you had problems before. What happens when these zombies show up on motorcycles? They're talking to each other. They're intelligent. And they're now fast on motorcycles. And, of course, nobody's expecting that. So the very first one lands a chain right to the head. Yeah, dude, look at that swing, dude. It's good. Yeah. It's good. And the bike peeling away is good. Mm-hmm. Good With physics a on human there. head. Shooting after him after it goes. Like, this whole sequence makes total sense. Kind of cinematic, too, when oh, you yeah. think about it. Oh, yeah. So they do get one of them, although uh, they're quick to point out, you didn't get him in the head. Got to get him in the head. Blam. Get some blood splatter on there. And the uh, after effect of shooting a zombie in the head for one of these young women, like, man, their world has changed a lot. They're talking about prom seven pages ago and and now standing over a dead body that you just shot in the head point blank. Yeah, yeah. You would see these thickets in, in that Frankenstein by Bernie Wrightson. Much finer line work on this hatching, too. So you can already see almost experimenting with possibly size of the original or maybe some different tools that you're drawing with. Yeah, getting, being able to afford those rapidographs, man. Some more of this violent headshots and bike crash. and That's pretty vicious. Yeah. yeah Leaving a good. trail, too. Skid, skid, skid mark. Road rash, baby. Man, I just saw a show with a uh, bike ride accident, and that was it. Like, the guy hit the ground and leaves the skid mark. A water balloon. That's tough. But headshots, headshots. You're seeing some of the uh, the the outlaw blood of the solid black blood coming off of these guys. And it is like, come on, get on the bus. We got to get out of here. So that's the great escape. And the guy they didn't get is King Zombie, who's going to be a problem throughout this series. So uh, did you – do you know what happened? Like, I'm – intrigued I, I i have it loaded up i'm ready i'm gonna keep reading but do you know what this is like like this whole zombie plague like i have no idea like what, what the cause is of it um i just remember like it's bleak and you know like all zombie stories are right because you've got a small group of survivors and what they get bit and now you've got one less survivor and it's somebody that you liked and it's you know it's what you expect out of these zombie stories and because it's kids and i'm reading this when i'm a teenager so close to their age it just was it was great. It was so easy to slip into this story and kind of feel that dread. Yeah. And them just trying to stay out ahead of the zombies. And it's like numbers wise, you know, the, the, the odds are so against them. And it feels that way. And I think the end of that first trade, 
they do encounter some military, like helicopters come in or something like that. So I, I, I have not read the whole series because, frankly, some of it's really hard to get. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I do remember reading that first trade and just loving it and wanting more of it. So I do have some scattered issues besides that original story. And uh, I don't know, there might be a good reprint out there of, like, this first volume. Yeah, yeah, there are those trades and stuff, and you get it how you could get it, man. So you could, everybody could find it. It's I, always the fight with these indie black and white comics or small publishers is, like, accessibility. Yeah, true. But I do think this has been reprinted over the years, so yeah, I probably think it even, you can find it. It even had a tenure at, uh, at Image for a minute, no? Yeah, I think so. There was a version? I don't know if Vince Locke was part of that, but yeah, I do believe so. And here's some, some backstory on it, and they mentioned Mark Bloodworth's Night Streets, and uh, kind of how this comes about is because Vince Locke, part of this gang of artists, and it was like, let's find something good for him to do, because he's got skills. Shouts to my Uncle Gus, man, who would just, like, have no prejudice about comics. He just loved comics. And would go to the swap meet or whatever and just scoop up comics. He would read them one week. Every uh, Friday or something, he'd come over to the house. My grandparents lived on our first floor. We, we lived on the top two. He'd go visit my grandparents. He would, he would drop off, like, weird, like, weekly world newses to them. You know, like, the, the ones with, so with, strange, with, with right? Bat Boy. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, he would just give me, like, you know, the last stack of comics he read. And, like, Night Streets was a part of that. Um, weird uh, straw man, you remember that comic? Straw yeah, man. Yeah, I have, I have some of those. Uh, the bat from Apple Comics, like like uh, Double Dragon, like Remo Williams magazine, fucking Marvel books. I was so uninterested in that stuff for the most part then, and I look back and just like that's the stuff I want now. Oh yeah, you yeah. know it's all these other voices. He he created in me like like just like lack discrimination uh, from from that stuff, and it was often the black and white shit. That was most most interesting. That's the most eccentric kind of stuff, you know. You just don't have a lot of a lot of gatekeepers telling you you can't do this or that, and people figuring out how to do this stuff on their own without any kind of real like this is the way to do it. So you get some real creative stuff. I love this ad. Like that's a beautiful piece. Absolutely. Somebody we had done some uh, early caliber comics, and somebody reached out and said they have like the whole collection of Night Street's art which is kind of neat to think that, you know, like that exists somewhere in more or less intact, but it's, it's really beautiful looking and books that you can find, I find in, in dollar bins, at least around here. I feel like there's a closer tie to that Detroit, Michigan scene here in Pittsburgh than maybe some places in the country, but you can find a lot of these kind of comics around here. We had good shops in town, you know, and good, and, and they, they, they stack this stuff up, man. But you know, I got my complete night streets. I love this dude. That's, that's like a very early Vince Locke piece. That's really great because the characters, you know, that's cool, whatever. But look at the care on the background. Yeah. It really kind of grinds grounds them. And it's almost hints of manga where your background is labored over or anime. Look where close. Your background Does is that say Guy Davis? Guy Davis, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can barely make it out. I wouldn't have thought of that. So it flips it. so it flips the script because I feel like Guy Davis was the predominant guy on the Baker Street stuff. And it was Vince Locke like adding his shit to what Guy Davis was laying down. This is flipping it. Yeah. And Guy Davis putting his work on top of... Uh, Vince Locke. I don't. I, I can't recall seeing that very much. Like I feel like uh, Vince Locke was more the finisher. Like like I'm talking about like lettering and mm -hmm. like yeah, you'd see his name in credits on some of those books with, as just letter with the barbed wire halo shit. You know, it's like Guy Davis doing the bulk of the inks or something. Um, Man, those guys are so good. And some of their early works, it's fun to watch that develop. You know, like talented young guys like they just grow so fast we got videos out there man the holy grail of outlaw comics caliber presents issue one we got it picked it up at a quarter bin shouts to duncan comics yeah man <laughs> good to go jimmy i am okay favors like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell we'll notify you when new vids are available it's out there jimmy 
Hulk Grand Design, the collection, is now available for pre-order at your local comic shop or online wherever books are sold. That is the big oversize. Looks great on your shelf next to X-Men and Fantastic Four Grand Design. And I will arrive in time for Christmas. So perfect for the gift uh, for the Hulk lover in your life, even if that Hulk lover is you. Uh, you can also join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see a lot more of my original art and process. Red Room Trigger Warnings Trade Paperback coming out September 2022. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. Collecting the four issues of the 2022 series of Red Room Comics. About 60, 70 pages of extra content in there. Drew about dozen extra pieces that are in that book to kind of tie everything together. Uh, you can order these books at my link tree in the description below this video for current and future Red Room comics. Also, if you hit my Patreon up, you'll be able to read future Red Room comics that have yet to hit uh, a print edition. They won't hit print to at least six months from now, maybe closer to nine. Uh, and three bucks will get you the archive there. Almost 300 pages worth of stuff. You can read all of this at the Patreon. Uh, thank you guys so much for supporting the work that way. Uh, what else do we have, Jimmy? You can subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.